Hi, and welcome to the Data Science Salon podcast. I'm your host, Roger Margolis. I work as a data researcher and was the head of content for O'Reilly's Radar, and I'm a content advisor to Formulated By, the company behind the Data Science Salon event series, and also this podcast. In this episode, I had the chance to sit with an esteemed group of panelists at the Virtual Data Science Salon for retail and e-commerce, which took place November 17th to 18, 2020. Let me introduce the panelists. They include Philip Rossi, head of data science at Shopify, Laya Shamga, data scientist at Lowe's Company, Jeffrey Ya, head of data science at Walmart Labs, and Samantha Svetkowski, data science manager at MindBody. We had a fascinating discussion of opportunities, trends, and challenges for those working on data science in retail and e-commerce. The panel has brought a variety of perspectives and a wealth of great insights from their work spanning the retail and e-commerce space. Let's dive in and hope you enjoy the conversation. I'm Roger Magolis, and I'm here to talk about the virtual salon for data science series uh, on retail and e-commerce. We have uh, four guests who represent different parts of the um, uh, e-commerce and retail um, spectrum of, of work that they do. And, um, you know, I think that this will make for a lively mix of uh, perspectives on what's going on in that field, particularly around machine learning and, and, and data science. So I'll do a quick introduction to myself and then we'll have everyone introduce uh, themselves and, and maybe talk a little about their journey into uh, data science as, as a way of um, showing that there's probably a lot of different paths to get here. So I'm Roger Margolis. I work uh, as a consultant to a bunch of companies, including Miso does uh, semantic search and Conversica does a chatbot. Uh, I'm helping a, um, a, a restaurant startup called Pharmacy Foods. Uh, Public Service uh, is a company, uh, a nonprofit that does uh, text mining on science data. And I'm actually also helping on a, a task force for the state of California. Uh, I started out in kind of a business background, uh, discovered uh, programming and found data science to be a great mix of those two things. Uh, I worked at O'Reilly for many years and there I was able to um, use the analytic skills to look at technology adoption trends. So as you hear me uh, uh, talking, you know, I often bring up things that I think are, uh, are trending up from that work and I still pay attention to things I think are going to stick. And, uh, so <laughs> Oops, and I have a big dog, <laughs> so uh, sorry about that. So I'll mute and uh, uh, I'll just start with Philip because you're on my screen next. Great, hi everybody, my name's Phil. Uh, I'm a director of data science at Shopify. Um, so Shopify, for, for those of you not familiar, is a global commerce platform. We support over 1 million merchants currently. And so we help entrepreneurs go from idea to fully fledged business by providing them a trusted set of tools to help grow, help start, grow, manage uh, a retail business of any size. So I, myself, I started this journey about 15 years ago. Um, I, I, I sort of came out of university in computer science thinking I was going to be a software engineer. Um, I, I started my career in, in technology consulting at Deloitte and just happened to, to land myself on a, a data project at that time, more, more focused on business intelligence and data warehousing. And, sort of, and, I, and I took that opportunity and, and sort of really enjoyed this, this thing that's sort of been a theme for the last 15 years in, in data in general. And that is like working with businesses to like get sort of like the end-to-end -end picture and, and help address the problems from that data science uh, lens. So I sort of started out in, in Deloitte doing some of the consulting work. It was a good opportunity to move around different businesses and understand their data needs, their data problems. Uh, building out data warehouses and, and some, solving some of their analytical problems. Uh, from there, I transitioned to uh, working in Canada Post, so a large crown corporation uh, in Canada, um, uh, helping, helping them build out a data warehouse and, and their data science practice. And then roughly five years ago, I was presented with this opportunity to do the, the same sort of thing at Shopify. Um, and I've had the opportunity to really 
help grow the data science practice here. Um, and it's been it's been really an amazing journey to see the the evolution of data at uh, Shopify and how we can help out our merchants and help them solve their problems and help our our, our partners within Shopify. Um, so I'm 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 excited to be here today to talk about some of that. Thanks. Uh, Samantha, why don't you go next? Hey everyone, I'm uh, Sam Spakovsky and I work for MindBody. Um, I manage a team of data science there. And for those of you that don't know, MindBody is a business management software and we work with all types of businesses um, in the wellness space. So gyms, spas, and salons. Um, we also have an app that we could go on and book those appointments for or book our next yoga class on. So we serve both B2B and B2C. Um, my journey uh, was a little sporadic, it feels. Um, I went into math uh, in undergrad and had no idea what I wanted to do. Uh, so I found myself in an analytics master's program after that, and then just figured I loved, loved data. Um, and so then I went from there into consulting um, as a data scientist. So I was doing all of the nitty gritty work and have now moved into more management of data scientists um, and working with the business and helping develop um, our data science practices. Great, thanks. Uh, and um, Laya, why don't you go next? Sure. Uh, so I'm Laya Shonga. I'm senior data scientist at Lowe's. And um, as all of you may know, Lowe's is in home improvement. So. Um, we are pretty busy during this COVID time. Actually, people are doing a lot of home improvement at, while staying at home. Um, I graduated from PhD uh, last summer. I have a PhD in electrical engineering and my focus was computer vision and robotics, deep learning computer vision and robotics. Uh, but um, I did an internship in a consulting company in, um, Charlotte, North Carolina, and uh, um, I really loved um, using uh, the same techniques, computer vision, machine learning, and deep learning uh, on the business problems. My dad, was, my dad was a businessman, so I really, I was curious about the problems in business, and I thought maybe uh, it's um, more it, it, it sounds more appealing to use those techniques to solve business problems than um, working with robots. So uh, I applied to Lowe's and um, I joined Lowe's uh, last September. Yeah, it was last September. And at Lowe's, I've been working on forecasting problems and computer vision problems. Uh, Great, thanks. And I know, uh, Jeff, that you're on a, the phone. Uh, maybe you can just do a quick uh, intro on in your journey. Hey, um, sorry, oh. I actually have to switch computer before coming back to Zoom. <laughs> For whatever reason, the other computer doesn't work. Uh, so I get off myself from the phone already. Um, my name is Jeffrey Yao. Uh, I'm VP of Data Science, Data Engineering, and Platform Engineering at Walmart uh, Global Technology. Um, I actually just came to retail uh, one and a half years ago. I pretty much spent my entire career in finance. Uh, I have a PhD in uh, economics with a strong focus in econometrics. Um, so I, I actually have been uh, analyzing data uh, ever since I was an undergrad doing research for professors uh, in some of the uh, 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 policy institutions such as uh, rank corporations and the World Bank. Um, so, so uh, as I as I mentioned, you know, I spent pretty much my entire career in uh, finance, um, but all of those are related to uh, modeling. Uh, and throughout the year, uh, I go from uh, researcher to uh, to the management role. Um, so, right before I came back here to California. Uh, I work in the asset management firm called Alliance Bernstein, where I was the chief data scientist uh, to build data science for their organization. So, great. Happy Thank to be you. here. Thank you. Yeah. You know, I think one of the interesting things for me, and I kind of heard this from what everyone was saying, is that the kind of combination of 
having to do some code, but also thinking about the bigger picture items and how the data uh, relates is one of the things that draws people to this uh, space. And I know for me, when I started getting into analytics, it was, um, uh, it was kind of exciting because I didn't have to program all the time, which would have driven me crazy. Uh, and I, I also was able to apply a skill I had uh, to something that I, I found interesting. And in my case, I was lucky enough to, and some of you may know Ben Lorica, who runs the at data science, uh, tweets under at data science. I hired him at O'Reilly and he had a PhD in these topics. And that really got me to, to move to kind of another level uh, in understanding the math and stuff. I even started a math club in San Francisco with some older people, which was kind of fun. So uh, I, I think that I heard a, like a kind of an enthusiasm for the uh, space, and that's really nice to hear. Um, one of the things I'm curious about uh, is where data science fits in your organization. And what I'm really trying to get at here is the centralized versus embedded. And, and if you can each answer that and just describe, like, are you comfortable with that? Are you heading in one direction or another? Because I think that's a question a lot of organizations need to go through. And that it's probably a journey. It probably isn't like one answer for every organization, but I'm really curious how that works. So um, I'll, you know, I'll just start with Jeff on this one, just because you have to be big on my screen. So, okay. Um, so I'll speak about this in, in general, um, uh, because I actually have worked in many different organizations. Uh, and when I was at a startup, I also uh, work for many organizations from their startup. Um, so uh, in, in many organizations, there are many movement between some go centralized and then go decentralize the team and I guess centralized again. Uh, we, we, we are no difference here. Um, I, I think it all depends on, in terms of the organization, where you are to begin with. Uh, in, in the journey uh, and how mature the organization is uh, in terms of using data and using data science. Uh, in many organizations, some department are already pretty advanced, but it's not widespread uh, in the entire firm. Um, and um, to me, uh, I think it would always be useful to have some sort of centralized teams that are working with the embedded teams. Uh, because uh, again, the, the question is not just about centralized versus non-centralized. Uh, a lot of those also come down to the PNL. Again, depends on what organization you're working in, right? In finance in particular, um, you know, the PNL matter a lot in each, each of the individual teams. And so, you know, if you're in a centralized team, exactly how to fund those centralized team and how those centralized team will be spending time with different teams become fairly tricky. And so what I've seen, at least in some of the setup, is that um, if you have a centralized team, relatively small, uh, trying to learn from all of the embedded teams, uh, some of the commonality, uh, or some people call the horizontal teams, that can help uh, the embedded teams uh, in terms of the tools, uh, in terms of the methodology, uh, that actually could be quite efficient. Uh, but the size of the organization also um, uh, also play a very, very big role uh, in this decision as well. Great, thanks. And if someone wants to jump in next. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with Jeff. Um, I've seen a lot of different organizations do this in different ways. Um, and, and I agree that it's, it's really dependent on the organization. If you have really set practices and ways to do analytics and data science and everyone can access data, then being decentralized is just fine. Um, but you really need to be on top of those best practices. Uh, we at MindBody are a mostly centralized org um, after being all over the place for a long time. Um, and for us, this has been really the best way because we had analysts across the business just going off and analyzing data and coming up with different answers for all of the same questions. And so for us, this was, it was really important to get everyone in the same place so that we could come up with the same terminology and practices that, that the business can align to and use. Great, thanks. 
Yeah, it, uh, it seems to me that it's a trend, like everyone started in a more decentralized uh, fashion and then um, after a while the business decides to um, gather everyone together and have a more centralized approach for uh, letting the um, data, um, the, tr the trends and uh, it, it was the same for laws. We started in different departments. so. Uh, well, Lowe's, uh, it's a very large uh, company and it has uh, too many aspects, like e-commerce is completely different than the actual stores. Uh, and uh, we actually have separate teams working on these two uh, aspects of the business. And uh, uh, now after a while, they decided to bring everyone together and have a more um, centralized approach and um, uh, maybe enforcing the uh, some of the uh, technology, some of the studies, um, some of the approaches, and I, I I can see that how the how business is benefiting from a more centralized approach. Great. Yeah. So for for us to Chopify a little bit more of a centralized model as well, so we have a data science and engineering organization. Um, with teams embedded within business, their various business units through, throughout the organization. And we typically say that that team is dotted line and, and they, they own that particular domain. Um, I, I think this, this comes with, with some benefits. No, no org structure is ever gonna be perfect. The things that I do like about it is we've centralized a lot of the engineering and platform work within our, our broader data science function. And what this has allowed for is while we have teams embedded within various uh, places within the organization, we all come back to a common platform, a common set of tools, a common set of standards. So while we can, we can focus on that problem, uh, the, the tools by which we're doing it and the platform we're leveraging is common, um, which which has been which has been great. Uh, it's allowed us to build out like a solid foundation that we can all go out and, and, and leverage. Um, it it also allows us to to be somewhat impartial when we're working with with our counterparts, given that it's not a, a strict uh, reporting relationship. We can take you know as data scientists, sometimes you have to deliver the bad news. We can take a very impartial look at the way in which things are going and provide um, you know uh, our feedback and, and recommendations. Well, wow, that, that was really great. I think when you combine what everyone said, that's really good guidance for, for how you might want to think about your own organizations. Um, one of the things I'm, I'm wondering is how much governance uh, fits into that? Because when I think about the problem with embedded is that, and I think it was Lai who said this, that you get different people coming up with the, uh, different answers to the same question a lot. And then you get things like bias and stuff like that. So I'm just curious how much um, governance and that kind of um, uh, saving energy around getting disparate resent, uh, results affects, affects that decision around centralized. It sounds like everyone was going a little towards centralizing. Yeah, I, I mean, this is what I've been living and breathing for the over a year and a half I've been at MindBody now. Um, we have been on this path this whole time and it's not easy. Um, <laughs> it definitely isn't. Um, and, and we are working towards like strong governance around our data and definitions and, you know, what, what means what it like, what everything means. Um, and so we've been on this journey of uh, actually rebuilding our entire enterprise data warehouse at this point, um, building out a in depth uh, data dictionary and catalog, and it is definitely a process. Um, it, it, it's never going to end. Um, I heard somewhere the idea of, you know, like it, the data warehouse being a product and not a project. And I think that's so true because this is something that just never ends. Like governance and keeping everything in line is going to be ongoing and will never end, which is a good thing because it can always get better. Um, but the energy and effort is is definitely very high. Yeah, I, I just want to reinforce that thing about it never ends. I think sometimes people in other parts of organizations think of uh, software projects and um, uh, that they have an ending and then they go to maintenance mode. But I don't think data science really 
lends itself to that. Anyone else want to uh, chip in? Um, for me, I think what Sam said really resonates. This is something we're living and breathing sort of every day. Um, I mentioned sort of the fact that we've built out a platform. We have a single data warehouse at Shopify that we all leverage. Um, but at the same time, I mentioned the, the, the domain embedding, right? So often this lends itself to folks solving problems for their particular domain, not necessarily the problem for the entire organization. So we've, we've started to be really deliberate about like, uh, like Sam mentioned, we also now have a catalog of logging tools so that we can properly document our models. We put in place processes around how we review models that we're shipping to data models that we're shipping to the data warehouse and, and, and stuff. So we're trying to come in, uh, we're trying to come up with like the right balance between providing some level of governance and, and uh, an understanding of what's the right thing for all of us while still not enabling teams to, to continue to, to build the things that they need for, for their particular domain. But a total, totally in agreement that this is a program. It's something you have to really think about and be deliberate about. Um, so it's, it's been a bit of an evolution for us, I would say. Great. Anyone else? Yeah, I would agree with both of you because as I see in Lowe's, um, uh, it's like managing a team and you never stop managing a team. You have always a manager in the team. And uh, uh, for us, it's um, the, the main uh, contribution of this approach is that uh, they, they connect teams that they find their work very close and related to each other. And they usually find the, the strongest team in one approach, like for example, computer vision. and um they, they uh, now they are the leadership is trying to um they call it democracy demo, uh, democratization yeah 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 so uh, what i've done in one project is really right now is helping two other teams i uh, they, they they make uh, they convert my uh, findings into a platform for the other teams that may need to do computer vision um, in very small project but they don't want them to start from scratch and uh, do what i've done in one year in another year uh, so i really think this uh, governance is helping the whole i don't know maybe we have uh, I'm not sure about the headcount, maybe 1,000 people in data at Lowe's. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we, I think we have 200 data scientists. I'm not sure about the exact number. We are growing very fast. But um, I can really, I, I can see the benefit of this governance as we mm. move forward. Okay. Uh, you know, I want to take something that was developing underneath there, which is the exploration versus production question. And I hear sometimes that um, data science departments and teams are more going into the uh, production thing, but there's still questions about how much to explore, how much do you, um, um, you know, implement something that's either helping an app or whatever. And I think in retail, this has an even like kind of a bigger thing because there is this big pandemic that changed kind of everything. Um, so I, I'm just curious, like one, what you think that breakdown is at your organizations and where do you think it's heading? You know, and, and do you think that's a good direction it's, it's heading in? Um, I don't know, why don't we start with Jeff on this one? Oh, yeah, so unmute. Um... I don't think it's just a focus on one thing versus the other. Um, to build model, you do have to analyze the data. I emphasize that a lot. Um, so, so data exploration, I mean, I assume that you, you mean analyzing the data. Uh, it's a necessary step. If you do want to build any uh, model that is even meaningful. Um, now to in, in general, right, in, in many use cases, for your model to be able to use continuously, and especially many of the models that has to be deployed and score in real time, you do have to productionize them. And so, so um, at, at least in many cases that I have come across uh, in, in the past, say, 10 years, 
um, we, when we build model, we actually have to think about the production framework. Uh, we, we can just build whatever complicated things we wanted and then don't think about productions because there is a production and then there is also a maintenance, monitoring and re data exploration as well. Um, I, I don't think pandemic changed anything in these cases. It's not like, oh, well, there is a pandemic, let's move into production immediately. Um, um, at, at least I don't think that will be the case. Uh, I, I think actually quite the opposite. Um, um, pandemic may change consumer behavior, which I think many of us have seen. Um, and some of the data that uh, used in the past to train model in the past may not be able to capture the current consumer behavior. And because of that, you actually may have to explore the data a little bit more and rebuild some of your model before we can productionize those model um, again. So um, yeah, so <laughs> that's the way I see it. Although in data science in the industry, there are a lot of framework that are um, advertised and published uh, in the last couple of years that make production, that, that make from um, model training all the way to model deployment a lot easier. Yeah. Yeah, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to ask this question was because of the changing consumer behavior. So thanks for bringing that up, that, you know, since most modeling uh, is based on past history, people need to change uh, their approach to, you know, what might work and what might not. Anyone else have anything to add to that? Yeah, I mean, exploratory work is just so important. And I think that we often skip that one because we're so excited to just get into, you know, the, the fun part of, of our jobs. Um, I saw this a few, actually a few different posts that are really related to this recently. And one was about how data cleaning isn't grunt work. It's actually analysis. Um, there's a great article about that. And, and I think that's so true because you can't really go and you know build these models unless you know what's going on with your data, especially when you need to work with your business and implementing um, and adopting any, any models. Um, the other one that I saw was, it was I think a group of research students and they were doing a project on gorillas um, and the ones that plotted their data actually saw a picture of a gorilla in the data and then the ones that didn't, didn't. So like the idea of they missed the whole point of the project because they didn't actually go explore before they just went and started testing their hypotheses. And so for me, I mean, EDA is just so important. Um, but then on the reverse, like Jeff said, like production is like the final step. And if you can't productionize what you have, then I mean, your models aren't gonna get out there either way, so. Both really important, but don't skip the small and easy things. So I'm pretty sure we can uh, capture chat. I'd love to get the link to that article. I, I think about data cleansing a lot, and I don't like to call it data quality because I don't think you, that implies that there's some good quality to data, and it's usually not. That it's better to call it data conditioning, but that you do learn a lot. In fact, this morning I was running a program I call AutoFreak that does frequency distributions on new data sets so I can see what what's there. So anyway, uh, Leigh and Philip, do you have anything? Uh, sure, I think uh, uh, I agree with uh, some that data uh, exploration as um, the, the, the dirty job that no one wants to do, but it's, it actually determines what you're gonna do next and it can change everything um, you have in mind with that project. And I think it's not specific to pandemic. It's usually for all of the projects. And I remember I had uh, this discussion a lot with our director that we need to add a phase to each project, uh, which I call feasibility analysis. Because um, the thing is that when business comes to us, data scientists, they come with a problem and they have no idea what is data, what is machine learning. Uh, uh, they don't even know what how Codes work, how programs work. So you have to sit with them and make them understand that. Um, and, and this happened to me for import forecasting that 
the data they used um, wasn't the best data that we had at Lowe's. And I recommended to them that, you know, we have these data that you can combine with your data and improve even what you're doing without any machine learning, without any, any, any machine learning. And I think that the quality that, um, that explorative phase would add to the whole project is, uh, is much more than any other phase, even the production. Production is very, um, it's clear what you're gonna do in production phase. And maybe everyone can do it, but it's in exploration first then, uh, that um, people show differences. Like uh, great minds, minds make a big difference in that phase, I believe. Um, yes, yeah, so I, I, I personally would totally agree. I think there's, I think both are hugely important. Uh, I think one of the, the approaches that we've tried to take with our data scientists is that you're embedded within uh, the domain. Um, you're there to help our merchants in, in any way that you can. Part of that is going to be shipping machine learning models to support product, absolutely. But part of it is there to like really understand the business, really understand our merchants' problems, work with your partners, uh, within the business, help them make informed decisions with data. And I think both can be really impactful. I think we're just trying to our best to empower folks to like be there for the whole sort of process, um, really understand the problem uh, end to end so that they can kind of see the entire impact that they're having. Um, it's not just about shipping the model, it's about really impacting a person's like business and, and their livelihood. So you should really be uh, fully embedded and really understand the implications of, of what you're doing. So that's that's the approach that uh, I find we take quite a bit. Right. For what it's worth, John Tukey, who's a very important seminal person in the space, thought exploration is far more important than confirmation. So uh, it sounds like you guys all uh, see exploration as an important uh, facet to this. Um, I'm curious, given the different places, you know, guys fit in the uh, ecosystem of e-commerce um, where your you know where your efforts are focused you know like there's lots of things you can do in analytics between human behavior or supply chain stuff or marketing like like where um, are you pointing your organization's efforts um, in, in the retail space um, why don't we start with Laya? You're in this huge uh, organization. Uh, I'll be curious your perspective on sure. this. Sure, uh, there are so many projects actually, but uh, in my team, I think the biggest project, we are part of the big, a biggest project in, at Lowe's, which is inventory optimization, inventory tracking. Uh, and we're building this huge product um, to, uh, to automate the whole track inventory tracking system. And um, my job is to uh, to see, at first it was to see how computer vision can help this product. Um, and uh, we thought maybe put the mountains on cameras or using drones in the stores can give us a lot of information that the associates can. Or it's maybe it's um, time consuming and expensive for, uh, for us to ask the associates to, tell, to give us those information in terms of reliability, labor hour, many, there are many costs associated with um, human tracking systems. But um, uh, I would say inventory, smart inventory tracking is uh, one of the biggest projects in hand as well. Great, thanks. What else? Um. Um, maybe from, from our side, one, one of the largest projects this year uh, within data science for us was actually um, around March when uh, the lockdown started to occur. Um, we put together a team of cross-functional data scientists from throughout the organization. Um, one of the, the challenging things was, you know, during, during uh, as lockdown started to occur and retail started to shut down, we 
this was unknown unknown territory for for a lot of us uh and like at shopify we we tend to say we're a little bit more data informed it's this idea that like you can use your knowledge and expertise in addition to data to make decisions but nobody had knowledge or expertise on on how to handle uh, a pandemic so we took this uh this challenge uh, as a as an opportunity to come together um, use our expertise from without within all areas of Shopify to really tell that story for the, for the rest of the business in terms of like what we saw happening with our merchants business and how their customers were interacting with them in the shifts that we were seeing and then tell this back to the rest of Shopify pretty much daily. Um, and this this information was then used to inform product decisions. So we made changes like extending our trial, we launched capital in new regions. Uh, we offered things like gift cards for free. And, and a lot of these things were informed by the analysis uh, that this particular team was doing. Um, so it, it ended up being, uh, while a, a challenging uh, experience, a, a pretty positive one for data science in general, because it, it allowed data science to, to essentially create a voice in a time of, of great uncertainty. So that was a an interesting area um, where we've decided that we're going to continue to really focus on doing that. It was one of those things where we were, we, you kind of look back and think, why didn't we always do it this way? But there's a ton of value in bringing folks from, from across the organization together to, to really paint a picture of, of our entire ecosystem. So it's something we're, we're definitely going to continue to do uh, in the future. Great. Um, Sam. Yeah. Um, I mean, so we, I think I had mentioned like, we're like mind body is not necessarily in the retail space. Um, some of our customers are. And so um, I can kind of bring this a little bit closer to what Phil was talking about of just like being in COVID and where our focus was. Um, so we have a few different teams um, and our like direct org focuses mostly on working with our business. Um, we do have uh, an AIML team that works directly in our product as well um, and works on improving that. But for us, one of the biggest things um, was just figuring out what was next. Um, so similarly, I remember on March, whatever day it was, the 13th, um, was that 84 years ago now? Um, <laughs> so, so I remember that I got a, a message from my boss um, and it was basically like, hey, we need to keep the lights on and figure out what's going on with our business. And that came down straight from the top. Um, and so what we started to do was figure out if we could even you know, build models or predict what was going to happen in the next day, week, month, and even year. Um, and this wasn't something that, not that we hadn't done it before, but this isn't something that we had encountered. So it took a lot of time to to start to creatively think about this. Um, you know, we started trying to throw in an idea of like a disruption um, factor, like had we had outages in the past that we could have used to model off of. Um, and so like for us, the most important piece was making sure our customers knew what was going on and being able to say, okay, we think that this is going to recover in this amount of time. So you can be comfortable with that as well. Um, yeah, I mean, for, for us, it, it's really, it was a lot of keeping the lights on and now how do we move forward and pass this? What a great, uh, uh, path you took to think about things that kind of mimic the pandemic as a way to, uh, uh, learn and, and, and share with your uh, clients. Jeff, do you have anything to add? No, I'm good. Okay. Um, you know, given that you're in, in retail, um, I'm thinking about, you know, and, and I know that you're in different parts of retail, it, it, both in uh, supply chain and not supply chain, but the, um, you know, organizing on a kind of a wholesale level and, and so forth. But it seems like human behavior and recommendations seem to be part of, of what you're doing. And it's a, a place where I think uh, there's a lot of um, kind of rethinking uh, of what's going on. And I, I'm curious if, if any of your organizations are doing anything around, um, around that about thinking about behavior, bringing in qualitative work to help augment the, the quantitative and, and then how you relate that to, you know, sharing this information with, uh, with your user base. So, 
um, maybe I can take a stab at it. Stab at it. I mean, like I think like the pairing of qualitative and quantitative analysis has been very beneficial for us. So we we have we have teams of data scientists, but we also have teams of, of researchers. Uh, we have folks that that go out and interact directly with merchants to collect information via surveys. But we also have internal teams that that do it as well. They talk to our employees um, uh, as well to to get a sense of various things. Uh, as well as uh, other teams, and I find like the the cross section of the two often often is is very beneficial. It gives us a way to triangulate some of the things that we might be seeing more broadly within data science with some actual um, results from uh, um, qualitative research uh, from from our uh, research folks. So uh, yeah, I've I've definitely seen those two two come together quite a bit. Right. And is there anything like do you in terms of like looking at search, are you doing anything different in recommendation? I don't know. Do you even I don't know if Shopify even does that, but um. uh, we have various uh, forms of recommendation that occur um, uh, within our app store. For instance, we, we try to recommend the appropriate app for for um, for our merchants. Um, I'm not sure there where the, the research component comes in that that's actually a machine learning uh, product uh, uh, at, the, at the time being. Yeah. Oh, great, thanks. Anyone else want to pitch in on this one? Yeah, I've definitely seen this really successful at a few different companies I had consulted with. Um, and, you know, we see it as well in that when we talk about data, we always talk about how important storytelling is. But when you add that that research component, I think that's where the color can really come in and make you know everybody relate better um, to the story you're telling. Because you can have you know segment one and segment two, but when you add those names or those pers personas or personalities really to the data you're talking about, I think that's where where a lot of adoption can come in. Great. Jeff or Leah, any? Uh, well, in the projects I was focused on, um, well, I don't work um, on e-commerce, so I don't have a lot of um, experience on that, but my customers, my users are the employees. So no, we really have, we, we try to have uh, this, um, meetings, even uh, with store managers and um, show them what we do, like demo them what we have, what we already have and give get some feedbacks from them. And it really helps. It really helps in forming the final product we're going to deliver to them. Like they see some things you, their managers, their leaders never sees or never knows. And um, the, those research phases, those feedback requests actually help to form the product, even in data science space. Mm -hmm. Okay, great, thanks. Yeah, I think I think qualitative research um, could be very useful uh, in field where um, there is really not uh, a lot of theory that can be practical in practice. Um, you know, when I was in finance. Um, Many of the models that we build, if not all of the models that we build, are completely theory based. Um, so, so we bring the data to the theory, uh, but in retail, uh, a lot of those may not necessarily be applicable. So, uh, qualitative research, are quite uh, you know, conduct by either either um, some internal employee who are not necessarily quantitative trained, are actually quite useful to provide some insights for modeling. Great. I'm curious what you're, each of you are most excited about in the data science field um, that, that's coming up. Is there something that you like, you know, has really attracted your attention and you're trying to focus either your efforts or your team's efforts on? Why don't we start with Laya? <laughs> so, of course, computer research. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think uh, it's not the it's it's the maybe the fastest growing technology in data science, but it's it's not uh, it's not mature yet, and there's a lot going on. And uh, every time um, I spend usually one or two hours a day reading, just reading what's what's new, 
uh, and uh, like you find a data set and then you find hundreds of repos that built a model on that data set. And the, the, those pre-trained model help you a lot. It's just maybe it takes you uh, one week, but um, after a week you have a model. And um, I think there's a lot going on in this field. And uh, one of the things that uh, I'm very interested, I think the, all the businesses are very interested, but we're not there yet to have a lot of products as NLP. And um, I think a lot of businesses still don't know what we can do, how we can use these new fascinating techniques to help us um, grow or, um, well, we, we either want to uh, decrease costs, increase the benefit or uh, smoothen the customer journey. And we, um, apart from customer uh, call centers and customer services, what else we can do with this? Um, attention models, RNNs, these cool technologies in NLP. Uh, and I think um, we, we are, we're not doing a lot in that field, but I think that's something I'm very interested uh, in bringing to those. Great. Anyone else? For, for us, I think one of the most exciting things is getting into our new data world um, and having everything in, in that centralized location. Uh, but with that is, is the capability for us to start iterating faster on machine learning models and putting them into production. Um, historically, that's been a really heavy lift. And we're getting to the point now where, you know, our stack is coming together um, and, and we have a really strong team that's, that's able to get through these models much quicker um, and, and make them accessible to everybody. So that's that's really exciting for us. Great. Yeah. Well, we're actually running out of time on this. Now, someone uh, had asked a question that I think is worth spending just a, a minute or two on, particularly for the people who are more on the, the retail side of things, is if the pandemic is winding down, um, do you think there's going to be a reversion to the mean or do you think that there's going to be kind of like substantial changes in the uh, retail uh, environment that will stay well after a vaccine or, or whatever happens that we get past this? Um, I think, think from my perspective, one of the ways we've looked at it, especially when we look at uh, some of the trends in retail, is we say, um, we, we find 2030 pulled into 2020 a, a little bit in, in terms of some of the, the trend to, to move online. So I think uh, while uh, some, some lockdowns lift and, and, and vac vaccines come out, there, there will be a return to physical retail in, in a certain uh, amount. I think what we've seen though for a lot of retailers is the strength in uh, you know sort of this multi-channel or omni-channel approach? Uh, a lot of a lot of entrepreneurs were really um, uh, you know creating a, a e-commerce site um, helped them get through through this really challenging time. So I think that while a certain amount uh, of of retail will return to the physical world, I think there is some change behavior there. Um, there's some additional benefit from, from uh, moving online and having different channels uh, for entrepreneurs to sell. Um, so I, 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 I tend to think that, that some of this behavior would, would persist. I totally agree with uh, Phil. Um, it, it will change, and, and, but at the same time, people will go back to the store maybe a little bit more often and you don't have to buy like two cards of, of merchandise every time you go to the store. Uh, and you know, jam your house with all the merchandise. Um, so uh, after the pandemic, of course, right? When everyone feels safe to come to the store and shop whenever they want. But at the same time, I think during this period, uh, there are a ton of innovations in the entire retail industry, uh, making shopping so much easier, so much more convenient. And so, you know, some people in the past, they may not do it online. And now all of a sudden they realize, oh, okay, it is actually that convenient. So, you know, I, I would do that too. Um, and so I think that polling that you, you were talking about would be very helpful. 
uh, to understand what people are thinking about in the future. But great, yeah, nowhere in sight. So <laughs> let's, I know. Talk, let's talk again when, when that happens. Yes, that'll be a great day. <laughs> um, yeah. So at that point, um, we've got to wrap things up. One, I want to thank everyone for participating. Thanks for sharing your insights. I thought I'd just share a couple of quick things like the um, thinking about the whole centralized embedding and that there seems to be some uh, consensus that uh, you really need to think about this, but that having some kind of like a center of gravity uh, makes a, a big difference and that that's something that's worthwhile for organizations uh, to do. Exploration is clearly important while moving things into production is part of what organizations do. Exploration still matters a lot. Um, and um, that there is some value in mixing some qua uh, qualitative with quantitative, that the numbers themselves probably don't um, do enough. And I love Leia's thing about reading one to two hours a day uh, of what's going on. This is a tough space to keep up with. And uh, I, <laughs> I, uh, I wish I could get more time to, to spend on, on, on reading up and, and trying new things. Because um, I think it, there's so much going on that it's not like disruption is often overused, but like there's something that just replaces what you just used to do by hand and, and works really well. And if you don't keep your eyes open, you miss those. So again, thank you all for participating. Uh, let's hope that we get to that point where we get to go to stores again sooner than later. And uh, good luck to everyone. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. -bye. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I've been your host, Roger Magulis. I work as a data researcher and was the head of content for O'Reilly's Radar, and I'm a content advisor formulated by the company behind the Data Science Salon event series and also this podcast. I'd also like to thank the formulated by team for making this podcast possible and bringing great data scientists together. This episode was recorded during the Virtual Data Science Salon for Retail and E-Commerce that ran from November 17th to 18th, 2020. All the conference talks will be available on demand for two weeks, and after that, you can watch them on DSS Insider, the Data Science Salon content repository. Visit our website, datascience.salon, for more information and access to the content. If you like the content, we have more virtual data science salons coming up in different verticals the rest of this year and continuing into 2021. Check out datascience.salon for details and registrations. Thanks again.